Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for Lisa and Cassandra and for their willingness to come and do this much-needed seminar that we can look at our past and go forward boldly with you. We thank you and we love you, Jesus, in your precious and holy name. Amen. Cassandra! Oh, hi, hey. Lisa! Happy Sabbath! How are you today? Oh, I'm great. How are you? You're looking beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. God is so good, you know? Oh, he is. Yes. He is. And how are you doing? How's your classes going? Oh, they're going well. Just a f- two more semesters till graduation. Oh, are already? I know. It just flies oh, by. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, yeah. good for you. Oh, thank you. Oh. Well, have a happy Sabbath. Well, you too. I, I am happy. <laughs> Bye. Ah, oh, back home. God, I don't know how much longer I can live like this. I'm so broken. Sometimes I just want to crawl out of this body. (laughs) I feel so rejected and put down by my husband. Why does he not love me like he used to? Lord, I just want out. I want out of this marriage. I don't know how much more of this I can take. I wish I could have someone I could talk to about my husband's addiction to pornography. But who can I trust? Who can I go to? Everyone at church is fine. They're all happy with their husbands. Who can I go to? And also, Lord, I want to... I'm so sorry for the abortion that I had years and years ago. But, Lord, I just... I can't... I can't get rid of that guilt. I, the guilt is still so so real to me. And Lord, just please, please forgive me. I just want to go to heaven with you someday. I don't want that to be come between us. And Lord, I just don't know how to get rid of this guilt. Lord, I need encouragement today. I don't know how much longer I can live like this. I'm just so broken. Sometimes I just want to crawl out of my body. I can't breathe. I walk among these church people and feel so dirty and so ashamed about what he did to me. They think I'm just this put-together Christian, this happy, upbeat girl. So what would they think about me if they knew about my past, about this pain that just won't go away? I need something, God. I need someone, someone to help me through this. It's just too much for me to bear on my own. I close my eyes and I see him. I walk down the street and I see him. I even sit in church and I smell his cologne. I just am consumed and I need you. I need you to heal me, and I want you to take this, but I don't know how to give it to you on my own. Lord, I need you. Does that sound like any of you or any people that you may know? You know, 
after we finally took our mask off and we became real, real instruments of God because we, re- we took off that mask. That's when we found out that we weren't alone, that all those people in church that we thought were perfect and happy, they weren't perfect and happy. They were broken people just like us. But we all wore those masks. We all played the, played the game. Everything's okay. But when we finally shared about who we are, that's when God's mighty power comes in and he can heal us. And each other, we can reach out to each other and touch one another and help each other with God's help. And that's what God wants us to do, isn't it, Cassandra? It is. You know, if we're real with each other and quite honest with ourselves, most of us wear masks. Mm -hmm. How many of us do that on a Sabbath morning? I mean, we didn't even have to script that part because that's something that we just (laughs) do. You know, that happy, smiley, we're perfect, we're fine. You know, and honestly, we wear the mask and then we don't ask genuine questions about others either. We are ashamed, ashamed of our secrets, ashamed of our past, fearful that others wouldn't take us as we are if they knew who we really were. We become these master pretenders. We guard our hearts and decide that if we do that, then we can act like a more appropriate person or someone that people will actually accept. Mm -hmm. That's right. And you know, if I were your enemy, I'd work to create division between you and other Christians, between groups of Christians, women's ministry. Anyone with the potential of uniting in battle against me and my plans, I'd keep you from opening or operating individually, not seeing your need for the church or tying yourself too closely to its mission. If I were your enemy, I would strengthen, or strength is in numbers and unity of purpose, and I would not allow that. I would not allow those things to go unchecked. And that is the reality check for us, mm-hmm. is that Satan loves masks. The pretending and the putting on a perfect face, that's not of God. And that's not what God desires for us because it disconnects us from him. And it provides an opportunity for Satan to speak lies into our lives. If we're putting on this perfect face and pretending to everyone and to the outside world, if we feel like that we have to um, work for God's approval or um, show everyone how good we are on the outside, that doesn't please God, and it's very difficult for us to go, then go home and be authentic and real with God. It also provides an appearance of godliness, but without the power. We all know this verse, but I want you to turn to it. 2 Timothy 3.5. I'm going to start it. Um, actually, I'm going to start up for men at number two. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, 
lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Mm. And then the part that I want to hone in on is proud. Proud is on that list. And a lot of times, I would say most of the times in my own experience, the reason why we aren't honest with God and we're not honest with each other is pride. We are prideful. We don't want people to know who we really are, what's really in our hearts, what's behind all of this. Um, We are afraid of what other people are going to think of us or afraid of rejection. And not being an authentic person for those reasons is prideful. And that ends up um, resulting in a form or an appearance of godliness, but without the power. And that's so dangerous. So being a hypocrite is kind of what it is, huh? Yep. It also disconnects us from each other. I don't know if many of you guys, I just, um, I had a baby and I love these My Bible Friends books. And in one, in the fifth book, there's a story about Jabel, I think is how you pronounce his name, and about the sheep and how he has these special calls for the sheep to come together and press together. He has calls for them to um, come to him. And In the story, he calls all the sheep, because there's a wolf coming, he calls all the sheep to press together so they would not be scattered. But one disobeys, and one is fearful and runs away. And honestly, that's what Satan wants. Satan wants to cause fear, to tell us lies, to force us to be prideful because we care more about what other people think than what God thinks of us. And then ultimately, we run away. We run away from people and then run away from God. And God does not want that for our lives. He wants us to press together. He wants us to be that strong unity group as a church, as women's ministries, to, so we can support each other and keep each other from the wolf, keep each other from Satan and That's from falling. Right. And I know with my husband and I even, um, you know, growth, from in God is is a journey and sometimes we we get down but you know we can just grab each other by the arm and just just keep going when one is down the other is strong and mm-hmm. we can do that as as women you know when one is down that's when we gear them up you know it's like come on honey onward and upward <laughs> come on sister yeah so you guys might be asking why take it off So why should we take it off? Um, It says, we serve a God who is always truthful and never lies, never deceives. So if we're Christians, then that's Christ-like, right? That's what being a Christian is. So we don't want to lie or deceive either, do we? And just by not telling whole truths or Mm -hmm. by presenting yourself as being somebody that you actually are not, that's deceiving and that's telling a lie. That's and I don't want to scare you guys, but what, I, what we really want to make sure you understand is the danger in doing this. It's, it permeates Christianity and it permeates Adventism, mm-hmm. if you really think about it. Most of us are not authentic and real people. We are not open and honest about who we are. And there's a danger in that to our spiritual walks with the Lord and with our relationship with the church. We serve a God who looks at the heart and not the outward show. And so we also need to not only look at the heart in others, but 
focus on the heart in ourselves and not the outward show. First mm-hmm. Samuel 16:7 says, "Do not look at his appearance or at the physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see a man as see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart." So, no matter what we do, no matter what deception or mask we try and put on, God sees who we are. Mm-hmm. He knows about the uncontrolled eating and binge eating. He knows about the pain that you experience and the tears that you cry. He knows about the lies that you tell. He knows about the brokenness in your home or in your marriage. He knows about the um, challenges you have with your children and challenges to stay Christian when you're responding to them. He, and he knows it all. He knows our hearts and he knows what's going on. And though that can be a little scary, it also can be a comfort. Mm-hmm. Because he knows us in and out in an intimate way and desires good for us. And he desires better for us than to be wearing a mask all the time. Mm-hmm. And also, and another point of that is the outward appearance is, is what we tend to spend a lot of time on in the morning, you know, before we go out. But how much, have, how much time have we spent on our knees where God can change our character from within, what is on the inside. And you think of the, the temple um, out in the wilderness there, that the, the temple on the outside was, was very plain, but it was the inside where, where all the beauty and all the gold was. And that's, that's where God wants us. He wants our outer appearance to be plain, beautiful, but plain, and but the inside that's what god wants people to see is our inside who are we really you know and if we've got those masks on we're hiding who we are we we can't let our inside come out we can't let god use us through us if we're putting on the mask right we need to be show our our beauty through christ i also want to add if you think about how many of us have been hurt by people at church I have been. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we all have been. And a lot of times it's usually by people that are pretending or wearing a mask and are trying to be a Christian on the outside, but there is nothing changed on the inside. And that is the ultimate, the extreme of what happens if you wear a mask too long, right? And so that's why we're talking about it now. Some of us do it once in a while. Some of us might not even realize that we're doing it. Some of, maybe there's some in this room that haven't, and you've been authentic, and praise God for that, because that's his desire for us. But that there is an extreme danger in that with our ministry as well, and how we connect with other women and other people in the church, how we mentor young people, and um, how they feel like they're connected to the church. Mm-hmm. Our authentic God has defeated the father of lies, and we praise God for that. Amen. I really like this verse, John eight forty four, that you are the father. Your you are sorry. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when there are lies or deception told, it is out of your own character. 
that's not the character of Christ. And so that goes to what Lisa was talking about, how we need Christ to come into our life, transform that character mm -hmm. for us to be more like him. And when we're more like him, we're going to take that mask off and we're going to be real with each other. Amen. I also think it's beautiful that Jesus set a heart precedence, that heart and what was going on inside is more important than the outside or just as important. And then Matthew 5, 27 to 28, you have heard it was said in days of old that you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whoever looks at a woman to lust ever her has already committed adultery in his heart. So it's not all about what we do on the outside, but what happens in our minds, our hearts, and behind closed doors is just as important. He knows. Like I said, he knows everything that's going on in our hearts and in our homes and in our minds whether or not we let other people into it or not. So if we truly want a deep relationship with Christ, we must expose our weaknesses, shed our hypocrisy, and stop pretending because God calls us to be authentic. Mm -hmm. What does our youth need? You know, our, our children in the church, do they need people that are walking around with masks on? Are we teaching our kids how to how to come through their struggles and um, be victorious when we're wearing our masks. We can't, can we? But when we take those masks off and we, we're real people, then our children and our youth, they have someone they can go to and not have to go out to the world to find someone to listen to them or to share their struggles with. And they'll say, oh, I have those struggles too. They're no, there's no problem. We want our youth to come to us here in church, don't we? To give godly counsel, to be real people so they can feel free to come to us and say, hey, I'm struggling. I know that you've struggled with this too. Can you help me? Well, certainly, you know, and that's when we get under their arm and we lift them up and we keep them going to the kingdom of God instead of out to the world where the devil wants them. Yeah. Right? And as it is just important for the youth, it is for the women and men in our churches. Amen. We have people come in that are broken, that might look like on the outside, like they're converted, or that they are right with the Lord, but they might be in pain and hurting or harboring secret sins that they have shame and guilt about. But because they see everybody with these perfect masks on and nobody else is struggling, mm -hmm. they're not honest. And how can anybody come to the Lord if they can't, be honest and open and feel accepted for the sinner they are because quite honestly, we're all sinners and we all need a savior. We're not a church of perfect people. When we share at churches and schools and stuff, there's, it's amazing how many people come out of the pews and are saying, help me. I, I've been there. I, I, I've lived your life, you know, help me. And it's just amazing how God can use us when we're real people to help other people. And um, it's amazing to see God be victorious in their lives as well. Yeah. As a young person, I have seen many of my peers leave the church. And in talking with some of them, I know a, for some of them it was shame or guilt or fear because they might have experienced something, something might have happened to them or was done to them, or they might have done something wrong themselves, that they didn't know how to get out of that sin. They weren't strong enough in their spiritual walk to do that. Mm -hmm. And when they looked out at their church or at their youth leader or um, 
at the congregation or even their parents, they were putting on this perfect face and they never felt comfortable going and actually working through that. And so their sin or their pain got to the point where it marred the character of God in their, fa- in their minds and they left because they could not believe that a God could be like that. Mm. And so this is so important that we realize that for ourselves in our own walk with the Lord, it's important, but also for the walk of our young people and for our children coming up. Because if we are authentic and we're able to be honest with them about how God has led us in our our testimonies, what Jesus has done and what he can do and the power of his blood to save us, that we are saved sinners, Mm -hmm. then they will realize, wow, then there's no sin that Jesus cannot take for me. Amen. That we can walk through those, that pain with them, and then they can feel comfortable coming to us to do that because they know that we've gone through it too. Amen. There's healing and sharing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean like we have to share everything about our lives, so does it? No, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, it, what taking the mask off is and what it's not. That's right. But before that, let's realize the price of wearing a mask. A mask prevents you from experiencing intimacy with God. Mm-hmm. If we're pretending, pretty soon we're going to believe what we pretend. You know, it's kind of that idea that if you tell a lie long enough, you're going to believe that lie. If we put that mask on long enough, we're going to start looking in the mirror and seeing ourselves with that mask on as part of us rather than realizing that it's a separate part of us. And so what that does is it puts a barrier between us and God because we can't be authentic with him. We can't be real about our own blemishes, our own issues, and our need for him. Masks prevent you from pleasing God. To please God, we have to be honest and we have to be real. He also wants us to be able to minister and use our testimony, just like that woman at the well. He, he wants us to be able to run back and tell everybody what Jesus has done for us. I had five husbands, but Jesus forgave me. That is what he wants us to be able to do, to be open and honest about our journeys and about our lives so it can ennoble and enrich our church and and our Mm -hmm. our young people. Masks prevent you from experiencing intimacy and relationships. God has called us to be a church. And what that means is we're a body, that we are a a group of people that support each other. Um, You think of the Acts Church and how everybody came together and had everything in common and worshiped and prayed together. And you better believe that when they were struggling with something, they were down on their knees together and fighting Satan together because there is strength in numbers. One, that one sheep that runs away or is taken off can fall so easily. But when everyone presses together and strengthens and lifts up each other, then we can um, be victorious and there'll be fewer sheep running away. Mm-hmm. Fewer sheep running away when you press <laughs> together. And then masks prevent that authentic mentorship and ministry like we were talking about with other people in the church and young people in the church. It's so important for mentorship, for others to know what your journey with the Lord has been and what your struggles currently are so people can come and come around you and lift you up. Okay, so you might be wondering, and I've wondered myself, where do masks come from? Why do we even do this? You know, what, what brings on a mask? Why are we so good at it? <laughs> <laughs> we are master pretenders. Um, some think that it, it comes from your teaching when you're a young person. Be polite, use manners, smile, be nice, be on your best behavior, even if you don't feel like it. 
Say you're sorry. Say you're sorry. Force you to sit, stand in front of someone and say you're sorry. Um, emotions show you're weak. So I, I was fortunate to grow up in a home where I was taught how to um, maturely process emotions and talk about it the concept of using your words, but really like, okay, you're acting out, let's sit down and let's talk about what's going on so you learn to identify why you feel that way. But there's a lot of people that were told, you know, stop screaming, be quiet, you shouldn't be, why are you crying? I'm going to give you a reason to cry about, you know, like all of that very stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it. And when we're told to stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, then we are not taught to actually be able to express and communicate our emotions to others or our feelings to others or our experiences to others so that we can process them and work through them. The idea that appearances are more important than anything, and I think some of the youth that have the hardest time with this are youth of um, ministers, pastors, people that work in the church, because there's this idea of what your family's supposed to do, the standard you're supposed to be, and children are trying to work through that, but yet they feel like they have to put on this mask or this facade in order to live up to it. I'm sure other youth and other kids in the church also feel that way, so if you grow up that way, and then, you know, you're, you've gave this aura of being put together, then you have to carry that through, right, the rest of your life. And so that's um, one way that masks are put on. You know, I wore a mask when um, my husband and I were struggling, like, you know, we showed here. And when I actually revealed that we were having problems, people were shocked. Like, what? You guys are like the perfect couple. I mean, people were shocked that there was any any issue going on in our marriage at all because we learned to wear that mask so well. And we do. We learn to wear it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that can cause uh, mass is when differing opinions are shunned, when young people or adults are not encouraged to share their minds or share their different opinions, whether in the home or at church. Um, parental modeling is really huge. How many people have heard of young people that leave the church because they believe that they're hypocrites? This is one of the major roots of that hypocrisy mm-hmm. that kids see in the home, is that how you drive to church and kids are screaming, parents are yelling and arguing about something, and they walk into church and everything's perfect. Everybody's walking in a row, sitting in a row, everybody's fine. And you come out of church, get back in the car, and then the masks come off again. And the kids see this. They observe it. They know mom and dad are not who they say they are when they go to church. And then they see a God like that. God is not who he says he is, if that's who God is, because parents are God to their children. And so parental modeling is so important when it comes to developing appropriate ways to process through things and be authentic. So is it too late for those whose kids are already grown up? (laughs) <laughs> I no. don't I don't think so. I don't pretend to be a counselor. No. <laughs> but I, I don't think they it, it is. Do you no, have any it, thoughts? It's on that? not because you know, as long as your children are alive and as long as you're alive, you can they can see a change in you as those masks come off and then they're gonna like, Wow, you know, I wanna serve the God that they they serve. And I've heard it um, be said where this one Um, couple was always fighting and their 26 year old son was in drugs and alcohol and all kinds of things 
And um, because they're like, I, I'm not going to serve a God that you serve. And this couple got repaired, their marriage repaired through Christ. And there was a whole different aspect there in their marriage. And the, the son that was an adult saw this change. And he came one day and says, you know, what? I want to give up all my alcohol and my drugs and stuff. I want to follow God too, because he saw that miracle in, their, in his family's life. So it's never too late. I think you can never um, underestimate the power of a parent, mm -hmm. no matter how old your child is. Um, they're I, watching I, you. They're watching you. <laughs> and the power of going to your child and saying, you know what? I am so sorry. The Lord has been working on my heart and revealing this to me that I was not real with you when you were growing up, and that probably hurt you. And I am very sorry, and I'm striving with, through my relationship with the Lord to become a more authentic person and more real, so I'm not a hypocrite. And if, you're, if a child is struggling with that, whether they're 20, 30, 40, that's going to impact the heart. That's mm -hmm. going to go right to their heart. Amen. So I would say it's not too late through Christ. The Holy Spirit is mm -hmm. always powerful. working. That's right. Church and family expectations and duplicity, we kind of talked about that with um, parental modeling, but that idea that there's these expectations that kids have to meet in order to, be, to have people pleased with them or happy with them. And when they can't meet those expectations, then there's that struggle. So it's that constant, I have to put this mask on for people to like me or to be pleased with me. And it makes them feel like they have, a, have to live a life of duplicity, a life at home one way and a life at church another way, just like their parents are. And then self-esteem and purpose within yourself rather than God. And it's so easy in today's world to do this because our world puts so much emphasis and value on the outward appearance, mm -hmm. on how you look, what your accomplishments are, what your education is, what you're doing for work. All of that is so important to our world, and our world doesn't look at the heart, but God looks at the heart. And so mm -hmm. if we go with the currents of society and reinforce that emphasis and that value on that rather than how God sees us and what God finds valuable, then that is going to create that need for putting a mask on because you can't possibly live up to what the world's expectations are. Mm -hmm. Okay, so taking off the mask, how do we do that? First, this is kind of goes to what Lisa was talking about. I want to make sure we talk about what it's not. Um, if you search some of Ellen White's writings, she has a lot to say about not confessing our secret sins to others, not um, causing other people to stumble by sharing your intimate details, um, being very careful with ministers as women, not going and sharing um, intimate details about your marriage or um, your, the sexuality in your marriage, at least without another woman present. So we have to be really careful. It's not just that now we're going to take our mask off and people say, how are you doing? And it's someone you don't know. And you're going to say, you know what? I'm struggling in my marriage and my husband's dealing with pornography. And it's just like word vomit every time someone talks to you. That's <laughs> not what taking the mask off and being authentic is. It's not unloading on everyone we see and becoming known as the oversharer and everybody runs the other way. It's not sharing or confessing your secret sins with everyone. It's not sharing your testimony in a way that glorifies your sin and emotions rather than what Jesus has done in your life. Mm 
-hmm. So what is it? We live transparently not to unload our burdens and thus walk more lightly alone, but to intentionally, and that's the key word, to intentionally share the burdens of others and carry them the same grace that liberated us. It's asking church members about their lives in genuine ways, building trust with church members, with your, the women in your women's ministry groups. A lot of times you have to get them home or in a group. Some are out of the church setting where you're just like mm-hmm. in a hurry and stuff, but in a slowed down pace. That's a really good point because you can't change this interaction up here. The, hi, how are you? Mm-hmm. How are you? You know, unless you go outside of the church and develop relationships because then when you come into church, that's going to be your safe haven. You're going to have women there um, that are going to ask you genuinely, I've been praying for you this week. I know that you've been struggling in your relationship mm-hmm. with your husband or you've been struggling with the sin. How are you doing? Do we need to come aside and pray together more? You know, just then it becomes those authentic conversations instead of the, the yeah. how are you? Great, great, I'm fine. Make a date with them. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, how about we, we get together for lunch or for supper this week, you mm-hmm. know, and we can share. If you see someone that's really struggling, it's like, I see you're struggling today. Yeah. I, this is probably not a good time for you to share, but how about we get together this mm-hmm. week and share that, yeah. you know? It's being attuned to how people are doing around you and genuinely asking questions, mm-hmm. developing those relationships. <clears throat> One of the ways that you can become authentic is develop relationships with authentic people because authentic people don't like the show. They don't like the surface level stuff. And usually they are going to force you to be more authentic. So if you strive to do that, find authentic women who want to share their lives, that want to provide accountability for you and for each other, and that will point each other to Christ in prayer and scripture. It's a church that's a safe place for the broken of spirit. It's a place that is not uncomfortable with brokenness because we have all experienced it. If we see someone that comes in that is broken, we don't stand back and point and talk about it. Because we are authentic people and we know what it's like to be seeped in sin or struggling, we go to that person. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, it makes me think of that um, story of the lady with the short, short skirt. Oh, yeah. For those that didn't come to our women's ministry retreat, what was it two years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, she told us a story about a, a church out in Pennsylvania, I believe. It doesn't really matter where it is. <laughs> but a lady with a short, short skirt walked in one day. And to me, this church is the epitome of an authentic, loving church mm-hmm. that's reflecting Christ. The greeter at the door recognized that she was a visitor, and she introduced her to some people there. The head elder's wife invite, invited her to come sit down with them in the front of the church. So she's walking in with a short, short skirt. And she did not care about what all these other church members thought about sitting next to a woman that was dressed like that. The lady felt so welcomed into the church. They invited her to potluck after, and she sat on those cold chairs with her short, short skirt. And they invited her to come back the next week. And if you can believe it, the next week her, shirt, her skirt was shorter and her blouse was lower. But they still treated her with love and compassion and invited her to sit with them at church and invited her potluck. And that church came around her and loved her. And pretty soon she comes in the church and she asks one of the greeters if they have something she could wear. 
Because it was even shorter. It was even shorter. It got to the point where it was just so short and so low cut. So she's like, I'm sure we can find something in the community services center. So they go and find uh, a dress that she can button up or zip up the front uh, and take off before she leaves if she would like. And as they're in there, if I remember correctly, the um, greeter asked her some questions about you know, where she was from and what she did. And it turns out that she was a prostitute. And she was wanting to go to church. And her pimp said, well, if you can find anybody who will accept you, I'll take you to church. So she had gone to multiple Baptist, Methodist, whatever churches, and everybody had turned her away. They didn't want to sit next to someone like that. They didn't want someone like that in their church because they were all perfect. They wore perfect little masks. But when she came to the Adventist church, that church loved her. And that pimp was mad. He couldn't believe a church would love her. And so every time she'd come back the next week, he'd make her wear something shorter and something lower cut, skimpier. Mm -hmm. And it just mortified her. So she wanted something to wear. So they made sure that she had something to put on when she came into church so she felt comfortable and that um, she could leave there so he wouldn't know. She did ask her, do you want to leave this life? And she was like, more than anything, she wanted to leave. So that church came around her, and they developed a plan to get her out of there. They had a Worthington Foods truck pull up in the front so the pimp couldn't see her leaving, and they got her into a, a car and whisked her away. And Oh, did they put her in their truck? They put her in the truck. Oh. It was just a really cool, they, like, they all came together because they wanted to see this woman saved and they wanted to see this woman yeah. out of the situation. It's incredible. And from what she told us, she's now married to an elder in the church and they have three kids. Mm -hmm. And God has restored her life. It's incredible. But that is what happens when your church takes the masks off. They aren't afraid of what other people are going to think if you have that person sitting with you, whether they have earrings in their face or colored hair or tattoos up their arms. You don't care because you care about the soul. It's you God's care about child. that person. It's God's child. Yeah. That's right. Providing mentorship and modeling for younger boys and girls, and we have talked about this, but we really want to make this clear because our young people are leaving the church. Mm -hmm. And I firmly believe that this is one way that we can come around our young people and help them through their tumultuous years, their years of struggle, the years when they want to rebel, or the years that they um, just are dealing with this world and the sins in it and don't know how to process it by providing a safe place to battle that temptation together, that they're not alone, they don't have to go through it alone, that we're going to do it as a church, we're going to do it as a women's ministry group, we're going to do this together, and provide them with guidance and love. Mm -hmm. Not in the girl walks in with the short skirt and you say, don't you know that you, that's immodest? You need to go change your skirt. But realizing that if someone walks in looking like that, there's something going on in their heart. Mm -hmm. And that we need to recognize that heart issue first. When the heart issues are fixed, the outward stuff is taken care of. God takes care of that. That's not our job. Our job is to show them Jesus and talk to the heart. Amen. I had an older gentleman in our church come up to me one Sabbath, and he comes up behind me and whispers in my ear, I like what you're wearing this Sabbath better than last Sabbath. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I just felt creeped out, you know. And 
I'm like, what did I wear last Sabbath? To me, I was dressing modestly, you know. And um, I found out what I had worn. It was a sleeveless top and a long, long skirt, you know. And, and there was a crew neck. It came way up high and stuff, but it was sleeveless. And I guess that offended him. But, you know, we all have our own standards. And we really, we just, in love, we need to um, share why we need to be modest and not come at people in the wrong way, you know, mm-hmm. um, because that made me very bitter and very angry. And so every time I went into my closet, I would see this man's face up there looking down. No, not that one. No, you're not wearing that, you know. And I just felt like I was being judged. And um, I had to get on my knees and ask God to, to please take this bitterness away from me because I don't want this man's face in my closet anymore when I'm trying to choose what to wear for Sabbath. Um, but God took that bitterness away. And, and just to know that um, he, was, he was trying to be in a positive way of saying, you know, I like what you're wearing this Sabbath better than last Sabbath and stuff. But um, it, it can make you throw the mask on too. Is You yeah. know, it's just kind of... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From my own experience, um, I dealt with things that had happened to me in a negative way. I was mm-hmm. broken, and I sought love and acceptance in the wrong places. And I, it made me feel even more dirty. It actually didn't help the way I thought it would. Mm-hmm. And I started wearing more immodest clothing for, as a cry for help, but also because I believed that I deserved that, that that's all that I was because that's what people had made me feel. Mm. If someone had come to me and said, I've noticed that you've changed your dress. Is everything okay? What is going on? It looks like, you know, something's going on. I probably would have felt like there was a safe place for me because someone actually recognized that it wasn't me just trying to rebel, but that I was in pain and that I thought lies about God, about how he saw me. Um, it wasn't, and we'll talk more, but it wasn't until someone actually recognized that, that I was able to be open and honest and receive healing. Mm -hmm. So authenticity is transparency and admission of failure. It's being able to say, I was wrong. I'm not perfect. And that's honestly really huge for children to hear that their parents are just as much as sinners as they are, and they need a savior just as much as they, as they do. It's the rejection of pretense and hypocrisy. If you um, go into Ellen White's writings and you put in the keyword pretense, she has so much to say about pretense, about that pretending, that putting on an air, about your godliness or your put-togetherness. Truth-telling about all areas of your life. Again, that doesn't mean that you just word vomit everything to everybody. You find a safe place. You find those safe people that you can talk to. But when you're with those people, you're honest and you're yourself. And authenticity seeks the good of the church, of the whole body. It's the purpose of authenticity. It is not to glorify sins. It is not to become an emotional fest where everybody's crying and sh- you know sharing everything just to bring everybody else down. It seeks the good of the body. It seeks healing. It seeks that um, 
entrance of the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help mm-hmm. heal and, and, and love. I just want to make sure that you're, when you do share, that you're finding a good Christian woman to share it with, someone that is totally connected to God and you know that, and that what you share isn't going to just be spread all over. Um, That's very important that you don't find someone that's just looking for gossip. You know, someone may act like, oh, you know, what's the matter and stuff, but they may be just wanting to feed off a little more of your story and and share it with other people. So pray about it and make sure that the people that you choose to share with are are trustworthy people. That is an important point, that um, we aren't actually sharing the deepest parts of our heart with someone that can hurt us. Mm -hmm. They need to be converted to um, so steps to um, authentic Christianity, and we're going to go a little bit in detail on each of these steps. First, we embrace the biblical view of self-esteem. Where does our value come from? We discover our purpose through Christ. We trade lies for truth. We find biblical confidence, not confidence in worldly things. We humble ourselves. We get rid of that pride that is that form of godliness. Pursue transformed relationships. And then we tell our story. So how do we embrace the biblical view of self-esteem? We need to base our self-esteem on God's love for us instead of our own love for ourselves. We need to base it on unchanging biblical truth about how God sees you rather than other people's changing opinions of you. So when I was working on taking the mask off and healing, one of the things that I did was I started uh, writing out Bible verse cards and putting it on my mirror, places that I looked at myself, because that was the hardest place for me. Um, And they were Bible verses about how God sees me, about my value in him. Um, Because Satan wants to put shame in our lives and guilt. Even if we've asked for forgiveness and Christ's blood is strong enough and he's already cleansed us, we feel like we have to go back over and over again like Lisa did and say, I'm, Lord, again, I'm sorry for that abortion. Even though she's been praying for five, ten years for forgiveness, he's already wiped it clean. But it goes to how we see ourselves, how our own self-esteem. And so writing those Bible verses around to remind you how God sees you that when you think that about yourself, it's a lie that Satan is telling you. That's not God telling you that you should be ashamed of yourself, that you are dirty, that you have no value, but that in Christ you are a new creation, that the old has gone away and the new has come, that he has a purpose for you, that he created you with intentionality and purpose. And here are just a few verses that you could put on your mirrors, but I encourage you to go on that search it's, it is very fulfilling to go through the Bible and really discover how God views you. That was part of my, my growth experience, too, is um, from the post-abortion aspect. I went to um, pregnancy care center, and they actually had a post-abortion class, and I didn't even know they even had. <laughs> I didn't even know that word was available, but... Um, we went through a Bible study, and it was in my time with God and going through each emotion that happens when someone has an abortion. Um, 
you go through all these Bible texts, and I drew so God drew closer to me and drew me to Him. Um, that changed my life and that changed my walk. I was finally able to just give it to Him, and that mask was removed, and um, God's word was revealed to me and changed my life. Yeah, it is life changing when you do that because. God's word is living and it's powerful. And so when you speak his word back to him, it transforms your heart. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately it ends up blocking out Satan's voice. It takes a while, but the more that you do it and the more you use God's word as a weapon, as that scripture weapon to combat Satan in your life, you will start to build your own self-esteem and realize your value without that mask. And God can't shut you up <laughs> because when, you, when you've got this in you, this excitement in you and these victories that are won, you can't shut up. That's when you're sharing. You're sharing with people. This is what God has done for me in my life. He can help you too. That's why we're here. Amen. That's right. <laughs> then discover your purpose. You cannot create value apart from God. He empowers you to do absolutely everything. And so if your self-esteem is starting to come from the Lord and you're recognizing that, then you also need to try and um, discover the purposes that God has for your life instead of trying to create your own feelings of self, self-worth and your, your own purpose in this world. Because God's made you in his own image, and we know that. We have value in how God created us and how he wants to use us for his ministry. Each of you guys have unique skills and a unique purpose in this world. When we come to him, God desires to use those skills that he gave us to further his kingdom building work. And so when we build our self-esteem, then we're much more able to be able to see that purpose clearly and live out that purpose Mm -hmm. with fervor and conviction. Pay attention to those thoughts that come into your head you know, I'm, I'm worthless or I'm, I need to lose more weight or something. I mean, losing weight is constantly in my head. And that is something that the devil keeps throwing in, in my face. You know, you're, you're fat, you need to lose weight and stuff. And it's, it's been something all my life. I used to take diet pills when I was 125 pounds. I mean, I have had bones in my back that were showing, but I was taking diet pills. It didn't matter what size I was, I wasn't good enough. And those are just lies that it, it takes some time to, to push them away, like, like Cassandra said, but um, I need to, to continue to give those to God and, and use scripture. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I am worthy. You know, God, God's blood can wash away all those those um, sins. I'm just blabbering because I don't know really. I guess I need a Bible verse for that, don't I? (laughs) Give me a Bible verse. What can I use when I'm feeling down about myself? Fearfully wonderfully made. There we go. What's that? That's right. Those are wonderful. Trade lies for truth. So we have worked on building our self-esteem. We have worked on discovering our purpose in God. We also need to recognize that we're sinful and powerless to stop sinning on our own. Mm -hmm. That we can't do this on our own. That we can't continue down that journey 
on our own, that we need to rely on God's power. We're not in control of this world, but God is. So whatever may come, we need to be able to be assured that we will be unshaken because we know that God is in control. The world does not revolve around us. We are just a small part in God's great story. It's kind of where that pride comes from, and we need to push that aside because when we experience pain or hurt in church or in our families, it's not about us. It's about God's great meta-narrative, Satan trying to get at God's heart because he doesn't care about any of us. Really, Satan does not care about how we feel. He cares about God's heart, and he wants to break God's heart as much as he can because he knows that he's already been defeated. And so he uses us as pawns to break God's heart. And if we keep that in our mind when things happen and things hurt us, it's not about that other woman that said that to us. It's not about our husband and what they did to us. It's about Satan trying to break our marriages, break our families, and break our church. And when we have that mindset, we are able to trade those lies for truth about who God is and the power that he has to help us overcome. Amen. I want to share a little illustration. I'm going to use this. But um, Don and I, we have a white rope, and it's red, about this much section of it. And so let's say this, this part right here is our timeline here on Earth, okay? So we all work really hard at trying to get to the end of, end of that time, you know, when we can retire and do what we want and go on vacation and stuff. So we're striving along our life here on this earth and, and trying to gain more things. And, um, but we're all like working towards, oh, someday I don't have to go to work every day and I can be retired. That's going to be wonderful. But you know what? God has so much more for us than just that because he's got all of this past our life here on earth, you know, all of this. And our eternity is what we need to be living for. We're started our eternity now, but we've got all of this and more and more, and it just keeps going. So what we do and what we think of ourselves right now, it's going to last for eternity, and we need to prepare ourselves for eternity and not be bogged down by how we feel or... or um, those lies that the devil throws to us, but we need to think about God and, and his eternal gift for us and his redeeming love and his peace and joy that he can give us right now while we're living on this earth. Yeah. For those that struggle with masks because of success in life mm-hmm. and having to put on this confident, powerful, great-at-my-job type person, remember that all your strengths and all your skills are from God and that you cannot take credit for them. We're so much more able to live out God's purpose when we're able to remember that, that if we are at a great place in our career, it's not because of our own skills or our own abilities. It's because God has allowed us to be there. In my devotions this morning, I was reading about Esther, and it really reminded me of that, that Esther didn't become the queen because of her own skills. God gave her the beauty and the situation for the king to be allured to her, but he brought her to that point for a purpose. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just to live the high life and to, you know, be great on the top of the world. It was to save his people. And that's what God has called us to, whether or not we are in a high rise and, you know, downtown or whether we are a big executive, whether we're in our home with our children, whether we are a grandparent, wherever capacity we are in, 
we are there to win souls, to save God's people. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to remember that. Your weaknesses are greater than your strengths. The world is going to tell you that your strengths are more important than your weaknesses. You need to put your weaknesses aside and don't let people see them. That's why we put the mask on. But God wants you to let people know that your weaknesses are greater than your strengths because your weaknesses cause you to depend on God's great power. We develop our dependence because of our weaknesses, not because of our strengths. And so we need to resist that world's idea of putting our weaknesses away and not letting people see it because we have to be perfect. We need to make sure people know we do have weaknesses. And you know what? I glory in those weaknesses because in those weaknesses, God can make me strong. And I know my need for my God because I have them. Mm -hmm. So instead of just trying to feel good about ourselves, seek the to experience the reality of God's goodness. Let the awareness of your brokenness lead you to the wholeness you only can find in Christ. And then we find real confidence as the fourth step. It's not about how smart, beautiful, successful, talented, or charming that we are. We're able to base our confidence on what will not change, and that's God's love for us and the power to work through us. We are able to stop trying to be someone that we're not, Because we know pretending only leads to deeper insecurity and disconnectedness with God and others. So when we're able to do those first steps, then we're able to build that real godly confidence. Not the confidence in the success or in how smart we are or in how great I look or whatever your confidence has come from, but it's confidence in our relationship with the Lord and knowing how he created us and who we are and the plan he has for us and the purpose we have in him. And through that, we're able to humble ourselves. Mm-hmm. Humility frees us from the bondage of inferiority or pride, and we're able to flee from a preoccupation with ourselves. Again, we're able to say it's not about us, it's about this big meta narrative, the great controversy of what's happening, and we're able to flee from that inferiority or pride, whichever one we struggle with, that's Mm -hmm. causing us to put that mask on. We're able to pray for the strength to become humble, ask God to help us to see him more clearly, and expect that as we grow in our knowledge of him and how wonderful he is, that we'll be humbled. We're able to choose to see other people with the same value that we give ourselves. So when that person walks in the church, like the lady with the short, short skirt, we can see the heart and we can see the value of that soul instead of looking at her and saying, I can't believe she's here and she's wearing that. And the head elder's wife is sitting with her. The shame. And her husband's right next to her. How how awful. How many times do we say things in in our heads at church, looking at other people with, instead of seeing the heart, seeing that soul and the soul that needs Jesus. When we're able to go through those steps, we're able to humble ourselves and see other people with the same value that we give ourselves and that God gives them, more importantly. We're not their judge. Mm -mm. No, we are Christ's hands and feet. And so that is what we are to be in this world, Mm -hmm. not the judge. You please God most not by trying to make yourself appear good, but by throwing yourself into his arms with all your flaws, believing that he understands everything and still loves you. 
He, it doesn't please him when we try by our own strength to be good and be perfect and have this appearance. It pleases him when we're able to humble ourselves and come to him and realize our need for him. That gives so much joy to his heart because then he's able to connect to us on a deep, intimate level that he's not able to do when we pretend. And then we're able to pursue transformed relationships. We're able to let go of concerns about how other people make us feel. We're not going to worry about whether they affirm me or whether I'm right or whether I'm seen as good or accomplished, whether or not I get respect, whether or not they're judging me or keeping score, harboring bitterness or competing, gossiping or bickering. We're not going to worry about any of that. That's not going to matter to us. And it's, not, it's going to break our heart because of how far from Jesus people are when they do that. But it's not going to hurt us personally. We're not going to take it personal because Christ is our Lord. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to keep us from taking our mask off either. We're going to be able to focus on genuinely connecting with others rather than impressing them or saving face. We're going to be able to speak truth in all of our relationships. We're not going to just put that mask on because we don't want other people to know that we're struggling or we're having a hard time with something. We're able to admit our mistakes and ask for forgiveness. That's where that humility comes in. When you have pride, you can't admit your mistakes. And in order for, to get Christ's favor, we have to be able to repent and ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. We need to take that mask off to God, too. Yep. So just as important. Us. Yeah. yeah. And then we can lay aside our personal agendas to invite God to transform our relationships with other people. So lastly, and this is why we're here, we tell our story. So we develop those authentic relationships. We build our self-confidence. We build our self-esteem based in God's value. And then we're able to tell our story to others. And we tell our full story of how God worked in our life so far. Not so that everybody gets the nitty-gritty details, because when I tell my story, I do not tell all the nitty-gritty details, because it's not, those things would bring other people down or put images in their head that shouldn't be there about me. But we tell the nitty-gritty details that are important and edifying to other people so that they know the journey, the full journey that God has brought us through. Because it's God's story and not our story. That's where the humility comes in. When we're humble and we're able to um, come to the Lord, we're able to say, okay, Lord, I'm putting away this pride. This is your story. I'm going to tell the story because I know it's going to bless other people. It's your story, not mine. It's going to be the story of how your brokenness has caused you to depend on Christ. And that's much more powerful than any other story that you could tell to impress people. Those stories that really aren't true or are sugar-coated about how great life is, that doesn't help anybody. It's not edifying anybody or speaking to their heart or bringing them to Christ. What's going to bring them to Christ is the true experience, transforming experience that you have had in your relationship with the Lord. That story of, I was a sinner, and now I have a Savior, and He has transformed me. Amen. And then trust that every difficult and painful event in your life can be used to glorify God and tell others of his great love. And that's hard sometimes for us to do. I know it's taken me a really long time to come to the point where I say, even though this story is the most painful thing that I've ever experienced in my life, that pain is not mine. It's God's, and it's his to use in order to minister to women. 
And it's those events in our life that he can use. You know, when our lives are just perfect and go, nothing's going on, then, you know, what can he use with that? But it's those painful times in our lives that that's where God can show himself to others and to ourselves and, yep. and bless others. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. That's why sometimes he puts us through the fire. He's refining us, mm-hmm. you know, so that when we look... That the reflection is of Christ, you know, and yeah, yeah. When we're able to tell our story, we're able to let other people know how God works and His power. But we're also able to build trust with others, so that when they're going through their own struggles, they have someone that they can come to. Mm-hmm. Makes me think of the paraplegic and the friends that were going to bring him to Jesus. That they knew because the paraplegic was authentic and real with their friends and they had built trust that he needed Jesus, that he needed, he had a great need. And so they didn't just go there and stand on the outside crowd and say, well, guess we can't get you to him because there's so many people here. No, they climbed up on top of the roof and dug a hole in and they hoisted him all the way up to the roof and they lowered him down. And that's what we as a church and as women are supposed to do for each other. And that's why authenticity is so important. So we know when someone needs that, Mm -hmm. when they don't have the strength to come to Christ on their own, when they don't have the strength to even see Christ and God and how he sees them, they're believing the lies that Satan is telling them. That's when we as women in the church and we as the church should be able to know that and come beside them and hoist them to Jesus. Amen. So, you guys have a handout. I want you to kind of go through it. Some of that, one side is a self-reflection, kind of looking at, you know, what are the things in my own life that I need to do? And we're not going to do that as a group. That's for you. I want you to really, when you leave, spend some time praying about that and ask God to reveal to you those areas that you need to be authentic, areas where you need to be... um, more of a real person with women in church, with your church in general, with individuals, so that you can live out God's purpose. But on the other side, there's some questions about women's ministries in your church. And I want you guys to spend some time in groups just with the people around you and really think about, so how can we actually make this real in our church? It does start at a heart level, and we know that. It takes women that are going to do the work individually in order to do this. But once you do the work individually, how how can you implement that in your church and make this something that develops a culture of authenticity in your church, starting with your women's ministry groups? So um, I wanted to give you guys some time to come together just in in small groups and talk about that. If you want to talk about just what you heard and how God touched you, feel free. That's okay if you don't really want to talk about how to impact your church with this. Um, But I want you guys to really kind of debrief, go through some of these questions and really think deep about what what you're going to go out of here doing. How are you going to act? Because I know that there's so many times I've sat in front of a sermon and I've heard and I've listened and even might have been impacted. But because I didn't leave making a decision about what I was going to do walking out that door, I didn't do anything about it. So I want you guys to spend some time doing that. So in groups of three, four, five, go ahead and get together and go through some of those.
Ladies, I'm going to go ahead and close us in prayer. We do have the room until 11.30, so if you want to stay and pray together and talk, feel free. This is a comfortable, safe space. Um, but I want to go ahead and, and consecrate this time and the decisions that we've made to the Lord. So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, you know our journey. You have walked it step by step with us into the fires, into the pits. Lord, you have been there. You know our current pains and struggles and our past pains and struggles. And we just pray that you come into our hearts and that you would heal us. Teach us how to be authentic. First with you. Give us our self-esteem and our confidence and our value in you first, not in the world and not in all of that junk that's out there, but in you and what you have for us. And then I pray, Lord, that you would teach us to be authentic women in our relationships and in our churches, Lord. That the stories that you have given us, your stories, would bless other people, that they would edify your church, and that ultimately it would draw all unto you, Lord. We pray for healing we pray for guidance, and we pray for peace in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.